you would turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. We're continuing with our series, New Year, New You. And we're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 12, which is where our key verse is coming from. So let's read together Romans 12, all of Romans chapter 12. So again, you don't have to stand yet. I'll let you know when we're ready to stand. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I ask you to stand this morning as we recite our key verse together. It's Romans 12:2, so if you still have your Bibles open, you should be in good shape. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. 
helping us every day and in every way to learn to be like Christ by the work of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. To give a little recap on our series to this point, a month ago, we talked about being created in God's image, that we were created on purpose, with a purpose, and along with everything else that was created, we were created to be good. In fact, God called us good because we were made to perfectly reflect God in everything we do. That's called the Imago Dei. Three weeks ago, we talked about what happened and why we're not still in the Garden of Eden. Well, except for Barb. Uh, we messed everything up. We got evicted from the garden and how desperate and terrible it was to no longer be in communion with the God who loved us and how this brought us to the place where death was the result, where sin complicated and ruined and broke all the good that God had created. Two weeks ago, we learned how God made a way to invite us back into the garden, back to the place where we can live abundant lives in relationship with Jesus here and now and forever. And last week, we talked about grace, how it's given as a gift. Sometimes, even when we mess up, we're given grace. And when we're given grace, we cannot help but give it away because grace changes us. This week, we see that there are a whole laundry list of instructions for how we are to live transformed lives. We start by thinking differently, and then we seek humility, and then we serve in some capacity, and we begin to see others differently, and we treat people differently because that's how God tells us to behave. We don't treat our enemies as enemies. Instead, we feed them. We're not overcome by evil. We overcome evil with good. All of these things are only possible by the power of the grace that has been given to us. You see, when we conform to the pattern of this world, the first part of our key verse, what we're actually doing is we're still thinking like Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were thinking about taking that fruit in the garden, they were convinced that it would change their ability to think about things and that it would make them wise and it would make them like God. That's when we're conforming our thought pattern to the world. When we are living in such a way as to think that we can be God of what we are doing, of the things around us. When we turn ourselves into the creator. When we change how we behave so that we're no longer worshiping the God who made us, but we are trying to be the God who made us. 
Paul tells us that that is not what we want to do as Christians. We've already made the decision to follow Jesus, and so in that moment, we need to be transformed as our mind is renewed. Renewing meaning it's recreated. It's created over again so that we fit in with what God has asked us to be. We regain the ability to live as the perfect reflection of God in everything we do. Paul talks about the fact that we have to do this by being humble. We don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. We think of ourselves differently because we are different. We remember that we have value because we were created by God and we were called good, but that our value has been corrupted. What we do with who we are has been corrupted. And so we have the option to live as Christ-like by serving other people, by using the gifts that we have been given. We're given the opportunity to love in a different way, too. Our love is sincere. We cling to what else is good. We talked back in October and November about the one anothering that we are expected to do. And this is part and parcel of the transformation that God brings to us. We talked a little bit about some of these do nots that are in this passage, about how it is that God has called us to do differently, to live differently because of his grace. It's something that in the Church of the Nazarene we call holiness, this living differently. And a lot of people have said it's perfection. It's about becoming perfect. But we need to understand perfection the way that God understands perfection. Because all of us in this room know that we have not perfectly done everything we were supposed to do. Our behaviors haven't been perfect in our lives. Did you get annoyed with Tim this week? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah? Okay. Did you do all your homework this week, Brandon? Yeah, okay. Sorry to call you out on that. We live lives that just aren't perfectly executed. But you see, our understanding of perfection isn't about perfect execution. It's about being perfectly who we are intended to be. When Lisa talked a little earlier about knowing that we make mistakes and needing to seek forgiveness and how that takes some time sometimes for us to recognize. 
I think the closer we get to understanding this ideal, this chapter 12 living that we're supposed to have, the closer we get to that, the more likely we are to recognize those things more quickly. We don't necessarily not do the bad thing, but we recognize it for what it is more quickly. And we don't want to do that thing. That's a part of what the transformative power of grace does, is it changes how we want to think about what we're doing. We no longer want to be separated from God. We no longer want to not live in relationship with him. Instead, we want to be on mission because the Holy Spirit has drawn us to that place. God's view of perfection is the Imago Dei. It is reflecting God in everything we do. It is living in that purpose according to how we were created. It is intentionally doing what needs to be done to serve him. It is intentionally doing what needs to be done to love other people, to love those around us, to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, to share with people who are in need, to live in harmony with one another. I had the privilege this week of participating in a revival service, a series of services at College Church. And the speaker went through Mark, part of the gospel that we just read this morning. She actually preached on that particular passage that we read this morning. And she talked about the idea that when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, by the way, Peter was married and he had a mother-in-law. When, Peter, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she immediately got up and started serving them. And it's sort of counter sometimes in our culture to think of that as her purpose for that moment, for her to get up and start serving them. Because we like to think that that's just not the only purpose for women. And of course, that wasn't the only purpose for her either. The important part of that is not so much what she did, but the fact that she got up from her sickbed and she immediately began to serve Jesus. It wasn't so much that she was just cooking and cleaning and being a housewife. It was that she was in service to the one who healed her. And that is the picture of the transformation that happens for us. When Jesus heals us, we get up 
and we go in service to him. That's what Paul tells us here. And it should be the experience of every Christian that ultimately their lives are transformed to the point where their service is automatic. It just is. I think there are plenty of people who think that the church is just a place where um, really nice people go and hang out on a Sunday morning. But the fact of the matter is, is that church should be the place where we come to be equipped to go and live the lives that God has called us to live, to go and be love and kindness and mercy in the world. To walk up to our enemy and give them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because they're hungry. Not because they're not still our enemy. Because it says if your enemy is hungry. It doesn't say transform them not into your enemy. But it says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know why? Because he's going to be trying to figure out what in the world is happening that you, who he has sworn whatever, against, why are you being nice? That's what the love of Jesus does. It changes how we interact with other people. It transforms us into someone who can give our enemy sustenance and by doing so, overcome evil with good. This morning, as we do every morning, on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, sorry, we will receive communion. And as we receive communion, we're receiving the grace of God to go and be the grace of God to other people. We are receiving the transformation that we are trying to be in the world.